right, what's up everyone? So it's really been a minute now since I've really put out an episode, but here, let me just catch you up real quick. I needed to take a break, got a new job and everything, and it just caught up with me, you know, like a lot of projects, a lot, just life. Life has been really just kept catching up and, and all of that. So I decided to take a break from the show and it really carried on longer than I really wanted it to, but we found the energy and the time to bring the show back. So pretty much I was able to go to Pack South down in San Antonio, Texas, and it was awesome. San Antonio is like everything that I wanted it to be. I love that city, and I really, 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 really want to go back one day. But I was able to put together a panel and submit it to Pack South to be a part of the Latinx Lounge. So if you listen to the last episode, I was part of a whole panel. So I was able to moderate a panel about um, building community in the game, gaming industry, game development industry. So I'm not in the industry, but on that panel, there was just a bunch of folks who were. So that experience gave me the confidence to put in a panel for PAX South. And so Latinx and Gaming, the organization that held the panel at PAX West, um, the last episode, they were offered um, a theater, right, to or a space to hold events for the entire weekend. And so they just needed people to submit stuff. So I was one of those people that did. And it ended up getting accepted. So I was able to bring on, like, a bunch of cool people uh big thanks to 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 jasmine actually because like she was able to reach out to some people too and um we were able to put on a panel about uh mental health so it's it's called self-care in the game development industry and so i'm moderating again but the whole point of the show if you're new is race to the finish is a show where i just provide a platform for people who are typically underrepresented in their own communities right so people of color and other intersectional backgrounds, whether it be like gender, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera, are very, very underrepresented in the game development industry. And this is what I've learned for a while. This whole panel was really enlightening to me because I learned a lot. And so I won't waste any of your time. I was babbling for a little bit. But yeah, here we go. Here is the panel. We can go ahead and get started. Thank you, everyone, for uh, showing out today. Uh, this is a live recording of a podcast called Race to the Finish. And just to kind of lay some groundwork, um, it's a show that pretty much has everything to do with diversity and inclusion, just in different aspects. And so today's theme is going to be around self-care as a Latinx game dev. So if you're interested in listening to the show moving forward, you can really listen to it on, like wherever you listen to your podcast. So just use your imagination. It's probably there. So anyways, um, let's go ahead and get started with some intros. Uh, starting with myself. My name is Carlos. My middle name is Roberto, but um, you know, I'm Salvadoran, you know, born here in the United States of two immigrants. And uh, I kind of do a lot of different things. Uh, but just for concentration right now, I'm the host and founder of this specific podcast. Um, just kind of on the side, I do a little bit of Twitch streaming and uh, just some art and uh, and all of that. And so I'm really glad to be here to have this opportunity, you know, with Latinx and gaming and just kind of do an episode around uh, this important theme. So there we go. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jasmine. Uh, my pronouns are she and they. And I am a uh, associate producer at the Studio Ready at Dawn in Irvine. Um, I've been working in games for roughly about five years now, um, starting as a video game designer on mobile games. 
um, for a year, and then I've been in production ever since. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, oh, <laughs> I, I'm also uh, born of immigrants. Uh, my mom is uh, immigrated from Mexico, and my dad also uh, immigrated from El Salvador, so um, Latinx and born of immigrants, too. Um, hey, uh, I'm Michelle. I am a user research analyst over at Gearbox Publishing. Um, I have been in the industry for about six years now. Um, my family uh, mostly comes from Mexico uh, and for the most part has kind of lived in Texas since before it was Texas. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Luis. I am a freelance indie game developer. Uh, my parents immigrated from Nicaragua, both of them, my mom and dad came from here, uh, and I did a career change from IT and doing uh, the chase after my passion. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Christian, I am a technical des game designer over at The Initiative in Santa Monica. Uh, my family is from Mexico, uh, first, they're all, we're all first gen, we're all figuring this thing out. Um, but yeah, I've been starting this, this is, um, I'm kind of in this interesting place where I'm pretty fresh to the industry. This is my first official job. Um, I've been around there for about seven months, and before that I was job searching, interning, doing a school program that had a game focus, and yeah, hopefully I can share more about that. All right, so just kind of giving a little structure on how this is gonna go. Um, it's, uh, we're gonna cover like three different topics, so like entering the industry, uh, some stories around that, and then kind of some like stories around struggle, like like very genuine uh, issues that are experienced on like inside of the industry, and then uh, just kind of wrapping everything up with some solutions. So like, what it, what does self care look like for every single panelist that's here, and then what it could like look like for you? Um, it's going to be a pretty casual thing, and so like to kind of keep it genuine, very unapologetic about what's what's said. And so um, yeah, so we can go ahead and get started. So we'll start off with entering the industry. Um, so just here's some main bullet points, and so I just kind of want to start things off with like, what did it look like for every single one of you? Um, I know we have some very diverse backgrounds, you know, obviously when it comes to careers, but also with identity and stuff like that. Um, so whoever would like to go first, I mean, like, what is what are some stories about like entering the industry for you? I can start. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I remember uh, applying to colleges and really looking to like what, even before then, looking what game industry was like, and you don't have a really good view of it in high school. You kind of see like all these people making cool indie games and sounds like a lot of fun, but you don't actually like really are introduced to the more difficult topics in game and dev. Um, and then on the personal side, you have to kind of explain it to, like, I think, immigrant parents, at least in my scenario. Uh, when I mentioned that to my dad, I remember him like laughing in my face, telling me that's not a real career, which hurt a lot at the time. Um, and since then, I've been able to kind of empathize a bit more with where my family came from, understanding that their survival tools for coming to the States were different than mine, and that, that we have our own understanding and tools for making through like our, our lives. Um, but because of that, it took a lot of more time to like get into and letting myself even want to move forward into this career. I was, I went to USC, which is a, they have a, like one of the best games program in school, but I wasn't in the games program. I was just doing like liberal arts classes, but really unsure if I should move forward, make that decision, really commit. And it wasn't to like actually talking to a therapist and talking about why I felt so off and so depressed and so guilty all the time that I was able to kind of pinpoint these issues and really let myself 
go into that program and take the classes and just realize how energized and fulfilling it really was. But it was this journey I had to go through. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if anyone else wants to jump off from there. Yeah, um, I'll go next. Um, so I actually have a kind of weird career story because I never wanted to work in games. Um, I started college with the intention of becoming a neurosurgeon. Um, so needless to say, making the transition from like, I'm going to go to med school and become a doctor uh, to I'm going to work on video games for a living uh, was not something that my incredibly traditional family uh, was very pleased about. Um, yeah. Uh, so realized I wasn't cut out for neurosurgery, got really into psychology research as an undergrad um, and started in the summer internship and kind of have always been there. So, like, I've noticed some common themes and stuff like that when it has to do with parents. So, like, it seems like that's kind of like a barrier entry point. It's like convincing, like, your parents, like, hey, like, this is actually something worthwhile here, right? I know, um, just for me personally, so, like, I'm not, like, in the game industry, but, like, I kind of do, like, a bunch of different little projects and hobbies outside, like, that has to do with it, right? And so, like, this episode being one of them. And so, even just talking to my parents and trying to make, make that connection with them, it's kind of like... it's kind of proves to be a difficult conversation so i can only imagine what it would be like for everyone here that's like okay i do have you know a career in this like convincing your parents that yeah like, it is worth your time like, it is like a good a good living and something like how you actually want to spend your time and so i also noticed something there's kind of like um a common trend with like the importance of mental health and so um we know like there's some interesting conversations when it comes to like the Latinx community and like some common trends with like Latinx families around how do we feel about mental health. Um, so how does that look like for you? I guess like starting off, um, I know like we had several conversations, Jasmine, about that. Like, like what did it look like for you? Like, what what are some important things that you want to highlight about mental health and like starting off your journey there? I mean, I think when, especially for me, like my journey was similar to Michelle's in that like. I went to school and I kept telling my parents like I was going to be these like different things like a teacher or a lawyer and they were really happy with that. But then like when I went to school, I wanted to do game dev. So like at that point in your life, you're kind of figuring yourself out as an adult. And so dealing with like like figuring out how to take care of yourself, especially like in a super high stress environment, mm -hmm. um, that can be school. Um, and then also dealing with the fact that your parents like aren't going to be like your support system like they said they would be like right. it's really difficult um so for me like when i started in getting into game development it was a lot of like figuring out like i had depression and a lot of mm. like different ways of figuring out that like how to cope with that right. um and a lot of it comes with like acceptance of like where things are at like acceptance of wow things are hard mm -hmm. <laughs> acceptance of like where I'm at right now is really difficult. Like the beginning of this journey involving like, you know, a sense of loss of, uh, I, I feel like saying sense of loss of family is like really extreme, but like, you know, there's always going to be part of that that they're not going to be proud of, you know, unless you do something like really extreme. Like I think uh, we were having this conversation earlier, like my parents only started to be okay with me being in game development when I told them like I had a 401k uh, and that was like six years later. Yeah. And I think <laughs> so, a lot of that has to do with like, you know, especially, like, you know, of, of us being, like, kids of immigrants and stuff like that. So it's, like, they went through their own struggles of establishing themselves, like, here in this country. So, like, those, like, external factors matter more to them than, like, 
you know, your, your tiger, happiness. Like what you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which like, like is not to say that my parents are not like happy for me and don't want me to be happy, but they mm-hmm. want, they always like, especially as immigrants who were trained to survive, they want to make sure that like your basic needs are covered. And when they hear that you're going to make video games, they don't really hear that your basic needs are going to be covered and they're not going to be supportive of that until they can prove to them that like, I'm able to pay my rent. I'm able to save for the future. Like, like these things that they've gone and they've gotten, um, where, where they're at now. Right. So I kind of want to touch base on, uh, uh, Luis for a little bit. So I know like we met at PAX West, you know, and you kind of like told, you know, uh, us and a few others like about your story about like how you're transitioning into the industry. Like, what does that look like for you, I guess, personally, but also, you know, like, I don't know how else to put it, but like, I guess at this point in your life right now. Uh, well, for me, um, it kind of was a, a situation where I'm currently at my job as, as an IT project technician where I worked for a company that outsourced their IT, and um, when all that uh, shuffling was happening, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, "I'm not happy here, and I don't want to continue in this in this area." Mm-hmm. So there was always a constant in my life, and that was video games. I've, I mean, I've, I've changed majors in college like multiple times. I feel that. <laughs> and yet my constant was video games. It was always there. Like bad grades, video games. Bad breakups, video games. <laughs> Disappointed parents, video games. Uh, so like it's just trying to like now move forward with that and trying to work towards that dream. And I've gone to my parents and say, hey, you know, I'm not happy where I am, but, you know, I made the choice to to pursue this. And it's it's not only them. I've also told other family members, and they're kind of like, are you sure you can do this? You know, <laughs> would you be able to make, you know, money? It's like, you're putting too much, like, uh, like you're dreaming too big, you know? And, yeah. And it's kind of like, all right, fine. You know, you don't want to support me. I'll do, do this on my own. So, I mean, it's kind of like bleak, but you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta go and do stuff for your own sake. Right, and I think a lot of it has to do with too. It's like, of course, it's going to be scary. I mean, if you have if you're if you have kids, right? Of course, you want the best for your kids. One would you know one would hope, right? And so, the idea of getting into such a competitive industry, I guess, like from myself, like outside looking in, like for a child for your child to be able to do that. It's kind of like a scary thing. So you want you want your child to be safe, right? So of course it's gonna be like defenses there. You know, at least that's from what I've analyzed, for at least from my own parents. But like for some of the dreams I've had, like even just coming to PAX, like I've had to have like <laughs> like these constant conversations with my parents about like or really my mom, but like and, and my dad, but like just kind of convincing them is like, hey, this is a good use of my time. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like it's very similar for you. Like you already had like you were in IT, like IT is a very stable thing, you know, and so now like moving into this. It presents like a question of, I guess, a little bit of ambiguity for your parents, yeah. Yeah, and it was—it's like we were saying earlier in the day that, like, for for Latinx uh, first and second generations, we have like the three career paths: like lawyer, doctor, <laughs> True. or yeah, or what's the other one? I totally forgot. Engineer. Lawyer, doctor, engineer. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those three. Or if not, you know, you're not going to make teacher. Money. Teacher. Teacher's Te- a good one. Teacher's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So um, now we'll just go. We'll move on to the second uh, topic. So this is where um, it's gonna kind of get a little bit more real. I mean, like, not a little bit more real, but like I guess more pertinent to like where we are now. You know, in our careers and stuff. So. Uh, stories in the industry so like some stories of struggle like you know or or just you know anything that you've got that has to relate to you really taking care of yourself or having to lead down that path so really I mean what you see if you're looking at the slideshow there's just some main things that we're going to touch base on so um, really just finding housing uh, imposter syndrome is a big thing yeah I know I feel it every day I feel it right now to be honest and so and um, and and little microaggressions but if any of you have any stories to share with the audience or even myself I mean I'm 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 really, you know, learning a lot here. Just, just moderating. Um, what are some, what are some stories of struggle that you face, like in your careers as a Latinx game dev, and how have you found yourself taking care of yourself because of that? I can also start on the housing struggle part. Thank you. Um, for every uh, <laughs> job or internship or thing, I, like usually have to move to a different city, and that is the. That journey, like moving sucks in general, finding a place to live is general, not knowing where that is or where you're living is really tough. Um, when I had an internship in Cartoon Network, I'd moved to Atlanta and I found my place probably two weeks before on Craigslist, just kind of hoping the door would open once I got there. Um, it did work out. It was a dingy kind of like college house for the summer so I can walk to my intern and uh, internship and come back. Um, then once I got the initiative job, it was uh, like it was it, to me it was like oh it's a big deal. Uh, this is like a job. Microsoft is behind it. I can really like make a name for myself here. But then I had like I jumped so fast into like that position that I really didn't consider where I was going to live. At the time, I was living in Northern California, uh, Napa Valley, with my family. But um, now I had to go back to LA and figure out what that was like for me. Um, I was lucky that I have friends that were still in the area and I was able to crash at their place uh, and sublease a room for um, two months. But once that deadline was coming in, I was job searching. Oh, not sorry. I was, I was job searching for months before that. Then I was a housing searching in LA and it was like a, this constant stress in the back of my head um, to the point that I think a lot of my coworkers actually recognized that. And I would kind of bring it up here and there as like a way to relieve it, but they can tell that it was like affecting the way I was doing my work and what were my priorities. And um, I think they saw the writing on the wall and some of my friends saw the writing on the wall that I, I was not in a good place because I was bordering on going to be kind of homeless because like the sublease would be done and I need to find a new place that would be good for me, that I'd be happy, that I wouldn't pay as much as I need to, that I can you know be stable. But because that instability was there, it was really affecting uh, just me as a person, my quality of work. Uh, I, thankfully, the HR person kind of took me to the side one day and mentioned, like, if you need to take a week off, do that. Like, you, we want you to be happy. We want you to be stable. We want you to, like, do a good job. And if you need to take a week off to find, like, an apartment, that's fine. Um, but it, like, it was a thing that I think part of the pride of, like, I, don't, I can do this on my own. I'm making my own whatever. It's like a thing that was actually causing more harm than good. And it was a thing I didn't want to admit. And I think I, I really just need to learn to ask for help at that moment. Um, things that work out at the end. I have a good apartment. I have roommates. They're cool. They're friends of mine now. Um, but it was definitely like a, a thing that affected me in ways I really didn't expect. And like contributed to like a pretty stressful moment in my life. So that's my two cents. I wonder if it's also like a Latinx thing of like 
asking for help oh, and like right. feeling like you can be vulnerable enough to ask for help without seeming like you're weak. Right. And I think it's also important to, to, to recognize that. Like, um, I know this is not what you're doing. I know, I know that for a fact, but it's like, you know, for those that are listening out there, like when we kind of point something out, like a common trend about like what these beliefs are with our families and stuff, they really kind of stem towards like an initial point. So like whether it be like something that happens to them that gives a certain belief system that they impose on us. And then it really kind of comes down to like, okay, this is what safety looks like for me. So I need you to understand that. Whereas like going into, at least from what I'm hearing right now, like going into the game development industry or, you know, the game industry or whatever, like it's really like getting you out of your comfort zone, you know, in and of itself. And so it's kind of just taking this risk and like getting to where you need to go. Am I, am I accurate by saying that kind yeah. of? Yeah. And so I guess um, moving on to the, the next thing, you know, with imposter syndrome, it's like once you're there, like what is it, what does it really feel like for, for y'all? Like once you are in, like you have your foot in the door, you know, this sense of imposter syndrome. So like, did any, do any of you get kind of get that? Like even just now to this day or like when you've attained your position or anything like that? Uh, I can start with that. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, since I'm freelance, it, it kind of doesn't feel like it's real yet. And because of it, it's kind of like, you know, do I belong here? Like the first time I went to PAX West, I was like, do I belong here? You know, I'm around so many people that are so creative. Um, and it's, it was difficult to, to process. Um, it was not until I met like a, a genuine person at PAX West, and they were like, "No, no, no you you gotta like get rid of the whole aspiring uh, bit before saying game dev. Just say you are a game dev." Um, so it's one of those things that I had to kind of deal with. I mean, like even like one of my handles on another social media um, site had the had game dev in front of my name and I had a friend of mine say, like, you know, where where's your material? Like you don't have anything yet. Why are you using this handle? And it's kinda like it to me it's kinda like you know that 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 like, hurts. Like it's kinda like gatekeeping. Yeah, he was he was definitely gatekeeping and like to to this day like it kind of like it hurts but it's I'm happy to say I'm no longer friends with him because I don't need those kind of people in my life. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm still dealing with it, but um, you know, it's still it's one step at a time. Um, yeah, so I've been in the industry for six years, literally working at the same place the entire time, um, and I still feel like I have imposter syndrome like all the time to this day. Uh -huh. um, I was like, I, I have talked about this at like our mentorship sessions. Um, I kind of lucked out by having like the right like skills at the exact right time. Um, and that's kind of how I got where I am. Um, but it's also like and on top of like feeling like I'm never like good enough at my job. Mm. Um, I also don't really look like most of the people that I work with. Um, my team, uh, hi, John and Kyle, because I know you're going to listen to this. Um, <laughs> um, they're great. I love them. Um, but they are both like middle-aged white guys. Um, and so I am not only the only woman, but I am also like the only person of color on my team. Um, so I find myself comparing that like myself to them a lot, even if they don't necessarily do that to me. And that's interesting that you bring that up, too, because it's like, I, I guess, uh, like, I've seen, like, some stuff, like, circulating around, like, social media, but even if you kind of look at, like, those who have been making games, I know, um, 
Well, for those of you who are listening, you can actually go back and listen to the last episode about a panel that was done at PAX West. And a topic that we talked about is like, what does representation look like in games? And um, there was a, a point that was brought up. It's like typically like white folks are telling the stories of people of color for people of color, where it's like that's not necessarily the best thing. So I think like from what I'm kind of gathering, like a, like a connection I'm making in my head is like, we're so used to seeing like white folks who are typically like in control I guess, or the ones that are at the top, the ones that are in the seat, and then when someone, like, someone of color kind of comes in and has the same position, immediately we kind of take, we're kind of, like, on the back of our heels, and it's like, am I really, like, am I supposed to be here? Like, did I get lucky? You know, and then you start hearing a lot of these different statistics Mm -hmm. and stuff, it's like, okay, I'm not supposed to be here, so, like, is this a fraud? You know, and so that's kind of like what I'm gathering, like from what you're saying. Is that kind of? Yeah, I think so. Like, I don't genuinely believe that it's anything deliberate on my team's part. It's just like a weird thing that I have to cope with personally. Um, And I have like been like the most I've ever felt like I belong in the games industry is I think interacting with people at the Latinx Lounge this weekend. Yeah, that's 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 good to hear. All right. That is, that is like really, really cool. And I think that's like an important, and you know, we'll highlight the space, you know, right now like with the Latinx Lounge, like gathering people who look like us, sound like us, come from similar countries, you know, come from other countries and communities and stuff to come together and really kind of share this, like these different, you know, stories and information with each other. I mean, that, that's, that's what makes it important. It kind of gets rid of this whole imposter syndrome. And so um, if you want to, did you want to share anything like regarding any of that or? <laughs> Um, about imposter syndrome, yeah. I mean, I similar against to Michelle, like I've been in the industry for about five years now and have worked at different places. So you kind of go through that like imposter syndrome each time you land at a new place. Um, also, just like when looking at like jobs and stuff, like you look at a job description and you think about like, oh, I could totally do all of that. But then you look at like the years of experience and you're like, oh, I totally can't do that. So like it's this like fighting of like, like knowing that you could kill it or like, I guess it's like reverse imposter syndrome. It's like knowing you could kill it, but like knowing, like not sure like if you'll get it. Like not right. sure like if you are good, like if you're, you know, knowing it's like having both in, in the same thing where like, you know you could kill it on paper, but like, can you actually kill it? You know, mm-hmm. can you actually do it when it comes time to like put your money where your mouth is? Right. Um, so just feeling the need, like there is this need to feel 200% confident in yourself that you could do something before even like thinking about applying to the thing mm-hmm. where you know I've heard uh, at other panels uh, you have to like bring out your like overly confident inner white man because like <laughs> I used to work in hiring at my first uh, game job uh, just helping them sift through um uh, resumes and so often we would say like we need like five years experience of you working as a programmer and it would be like someone who just graduated college and you know submitting their their application for this like senior level job so mm. it's like if you go in with that mentality yeah. <laughs> yeah. just do it just apply to it um, so it is like a kind of like reverse like you know you could do it but you que- you question yourself like can you actually do it Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, obviously there are things that probably happen within your everyday lives, like as game devs, like some stuff that kind of perpetuate this feeling of like imposter syndrome or like things that kind of like get you in a defensive mode. It's oh. like, you know, in the form of microaggressions. We oh. kind of all heard of that. If you haven't um, heard of microaggressions, it's kind of like the equivalent If I had to use like layman's terms of saying something under your breath, but not really saying something type of thing. Like, like, but that's pretty much what kind of it is. But it, like, what are your experiences with microaggressions like in, in, 
in your ex- like in your journey or like in your workplace or anything like that? I mean, I can speak to that. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, it, I guess microaggressions. Like I, in my years of gaming, I have never ever had anyone come up to me and say like something racist to me, like flat out. Mm-hmm. But it's always the like tiny paper cuts that kind of get to you. Right. Um, I know like. Like, I've heard so many, like, even in, like, well-meaning places, they just, like, don't think about it. And sometimes you just don't have the energy to, like, address it. But mm. some people will be making, like, jokes about the wall, you know, mm. and, like, mm. times that it's not appropriate. Or, like, someone will be, like, very aggressively asking you to, like, translate their Spanish things. And then, like, you know, making fun of me, like, when I'm not able to properly translate. Or, you know, it's just, like, so many tiny things that you experience on a day-to-day that sometimes it just, like really gets to you like I know because um, my my dad is um, Salvadoran and I didn't know if he was on like TPS when like the whole that whole conversation was happening about like whether it's going to be removed or right. not the status so like I was freaking out like trying to like text him and be like hey dad like what's your status like I need to know so I feel safe about you and on that day like so many people were like making wall jokes and like I like could not even like focus on my work at that point and I know, like, they don't know, but it's, like, something that, like, the millions of little paper cuts of people not even being aware of, like, the things that they're saying and the things that could impact your community and your culture. And, right. like, you either choose it, like, it's either you choosing to, um, I don't want to say call them out, but even having the conversation with them takes a lot of energy. It does. And if you can't do that, then, you know, you're going to go cry in a corner and, you know, say, like, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know how much I can take of this and it can kind of it can kind of like present like a kind of a lose-lose argument you know because then it places the responsibility of the like it places the responsibility on the oppressed to do the teaching when it shouldn't have to be that way you know Mm -hmm. and so at the same time if you don't it's kind of like okay you're still kind of dealing with it you know and that like like nothing's really being done about it yeah and so it sounds like you know you really need like support of an institution to kind of help you out in that t- in, in that sort of aspect mm-hmm. like not like you specifically but like very you generally like <laughs> yeah. like anyone who's in that sort of position is to find something to kind of hold hold and grab onto lean back on and like really kind of help you get through that and the reality is is that like there's so little of the like systems that are willing to support people of color and in, mm-hmm. in that aspect and like do the education or like do like company educations cultural competency stuff like trainings and you know it when you walk into a predominantly white studio and they don't do that then you know your day becomes less of like how can i do my work to the best of my ability but it's like how can i do my work and also how can i make sure that i don't lose my mind by being here and being surrounded by by so many of these things, so many of these paper cuts right does anyone anyone else have any like anything to touch base on when it comes to like microaggressions stuff like that if not you can move on to the next topic. Would you consider self-deprecation microaggression? <laughs> uh, I, th- I would say that's probably microaggressive on yourself. <laughs> yeah, because like there are moments that when I'm, I find myself to have gaps in like uh, certain techniques. It's kind of like, oh damn, I don't know how to do this. Let me try to find out how to do it. And it's like you, you gotta like play catch up if you're doing it solo, and it's really hard, especially for me. I, I can't draw to save my life. I, I the best I could do is stick figures, so um, it's just that. There's um, substance in stick figures. <laughs> there is. There's there seriously is. Like, <laughs> there's value there. 
That's all. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> we, we could talk about that like like later, but seriously, I think there is substance in stick figures. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> cool. So um, now let's go ahead and get to the important. We talked a lot about struggle. We talked a lot. We did like a lot of like discerning about like what does our experiences look like, you know, as Latinx folks. But what do your experiences look like as Latinx game devs? Now uh, let's kind of like let's kind of like wrap up like a lot of those things. Like what are you doing for yourselves? What does self-care look like? What does self-care mean to you? All of those different things. So I know uh, when we were originally planning this whole episode, like we wanted to pull together some resources. But before we get into this, I really want to ask like some important questions because I feel like this would look different, you know, for uh, the each of you is like, what does, what, what do you really do for self-care? Like what does self-care look like for you? Whoever wants to start with that. Okay, I'll start. There you go. Uh, yeah, uh, so one, uh, I am always going to be a big proponent of therapy, um, partially because I got my start in mental health, um, so I really value that. Um, secondly, uh, one of the best things I think I did for myself was to acknowledge that I don't always have to fight all the time. Um, while I believe that you should always advocate for diversity and inclusion in all of the content that your team is working on, um, it doesn't always have to come from you. Uh, it is okay to sometimes let someone else fight that battle when you are having a bad day or like, I don't know, some shitty personal family drama happened and you just can't. Um, I used to think that I always had to be the person like fighting those fights, um, but letting people advocate for me um, and be good allies has really, really helped like my mental state and my workplace. Mm-hmm. It kind of plays into that whole thing that we were talking about. It's like, you know, this whole pride thing is like, <laughs> not like reaching on and asking for help and stuff like that but then recognizing like yeah i do need help like i think that's the first step when you're moving towards being mentally healthy and and, mo- and like really getting mental health help is recognizing that, like hey like this is what i want to do this is what i need and then that's really the most important first step um did you want to touch base on anything i can talk on about this a lot there you go. <laughs> um in terms of what was recently said uh, like, the asking for help. Um, I, I maybe should break it up first. So I want to talk kind of, like, when I was still looking for work, there was a lot of things you can do there in terms of, like, self-care because I was just obsessed in, like, I need a job. I need a job. I need a job. Because I was out of school, needed loans to pay off, or needed money to pay off loans. Um, I don't want loans. And I needed, like, this sense of, like, accomplishment. So I kind of, like, crunched myself in terms of, like, job applications, and I put myself in, under a lot of stress and pressure and constantly kind of put myself down because it was like repeated failure because every application, nothing comes out of it. What I did, like I had to kind of come to terms with like, all right, this is like a marathon and talking to people in the, like, the, was it Latinx Discord or like other friends in game dev. Like I had to, they were like my support system, people that I can talk to. And I think if, like that's the thing that I think people should look for, finding individuals, finding support system, establishing things that kind of, you can allow or help you contextualize how you're feeling and remind you like of the many victories that you've done. Because a lot of times you only focus on the things you're missing, the things you're bad at, mm-hmm. but you're forgetting like how far you've come on your path. Like sometimes just even coming to PAX is a big deal. Yeah. And like you shouldn't like put that down. Um, I think it's just, like uh, having people to kind of be your cheerleaders is very helpful and that's kind of like it can't always be family I know it wasn't me for me really like my brothers were more helpful than my parents to the extent they could yes but not really 
So I had to like find again my friends. Um, another thing, this is why I did, like even then to help with that journey, I think I started focusing on like establishing a workout routine, some kind of like physical thing to help break up what I'm doing. Yeah, because it's just one, it's healthy. You're like fit, and you get like the you it, being physically fit helps you, or physically active helps you like just be healthier and perform better in a lot of things. But it kind of was like a relief in terms of like all the other stress and the emotions I was dealing with during that journey. Um, and now I still do it even in the studio, like trying to get a routine, but also like doing things outside of games. Like I think that's another thing you had to realize, like this can be your life and it can take everything and you can give it everything, but you also need something else after that's all gone. Cause it, what, if you give it all, there won't be much left. You have to kind of find a way to balance yourself so you can keep that marathon going. I'm kind of rambling right now. Well, so you know, I was just going to say, like, you know, that, that last point that you just brought up, it kind of reminds me, like, what we talked about at breakfast this morning. It's like games, you know, it's, it's cool because, like, going in, it's like, oh, like, okay, like, this is my life now. Like, now I'm doing what I love all the time. But then it gets to a point, at least from hearing from what you all have to say, it's like it becomes everything. And then you don't have time to really enjoy, you know? And so I think that at least tell like someone at least what that tells me it's like it's that's where it becomes even most important to take care of yourself it's like really really where do you find the time to kind of enjoy something that you want to do um so something that just came to my head was yesterday during the mentorship tables i was sitting uh with joe shaim and he was talking with someone about like that whole notion is like, you know, once you get into an industry and it becomes everything, you really got to find something like a creative outlet. Um, at least for me, you know, I'm in a totally different, I'm in education. So like education, like I work a lot, a lot, a lot of hours. And in, even when I'm not working, I am working. But then I have a very small amount of time to actually do something. And that to me is create, like using, like being creative. Like that's where the art comes in. That's where the podcast comes in. That's where the streaming comes in. So what are some things that you do with like your free time, you know, to really kind of ignite this whole like feeling of like, okay, I am taking care of myself, like to kind of bring you to an equilibrium. I could go first for that one. Um, for me, it's not just other forms of creativity. Um, I like to go do some rock climbing and just focus on trying to get to the top of, of the course that's going on mm -hmm. at that moment. Um, and when I'm not doing that, um, I like to pick up my guitars at home and then just try to like learn scales or, or songs or sometimes just go out and um, take pictures of like nature and stuff. So I feel that. <laughs> it's a it's a good way. It's just like I go crazy staring at a computer screen for eight hours or more. So it's good to step away from it and be either physically active or or just try to be creative at, in another way. Very I nice. I DJ. <laughs> What's up? I DJ. I do a lot with music too. You DJ? Yeah, I do DJ. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that like I also picked up like when I was really stressed out and is something I wanted to do for a while so like learning something new and having something to break up like game dev and the the microaggressions that come yeah. like most of the days was really nice um, and also like looking for music like everything that comes along with it was like a good moment of solitude when I when I really needed it that's awesome and that's 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 good it's like now it's like okay you're kind of like really breaking away from games but then mm -hmm. kind of like dabbling with some other things so that's yeah. That's really cool. So kind of getting into like the resources that you have on here. I know, um, Jasmine, you provide a lot of them. So like, can you, what do you want to talk about it a little bit? Like, 
yeah, you know, and, what do these things mean and how can people take advantage of them? Yeah, I, I'm also like a huge proponent of therapy. Um, I have a lot of like mental health types of things that I'm trying to like manage on any given day, like on top of the stress of like game dev. Um, so I know like therapy can be expensive. Um, the low cost one, the open path is how I'm like currently doing therapy. Um, it ranges from like 30 to $60 a session, depending on like your income. Um, and they, there, you are able to find, um, different types of therapists depending on what you're looking for. Um, so that one I learned from other folks in like, uh, the queer, uh, femme of color community in Los Angeles. And I've been telling anyone and everyone about that one. Um, therapy for Latinx. Um, I found, um, I wanted a very specific therapist this time around. I've only had, um, before up to this point, I've only had white therapists, which is, are great. Like they, they were fantastic when I needed them. But I think having a therapist that comes from like your cultural background too, that way you don't have to like explain things and they right. can push a deeper understanding of um, of like yourself and like generations and generational trauma and have those like really really deep conversations that For you sure. couldn't get to before um, and then if you're still not able to because I know like at least like for me when like I was really struggling 30 to 60 dollars was still a lot um, there is a uh, liberate uh, meditation uh, which is an app I found out um, from my partner um, and it's specifically for like black indigenous like people of color um, and it has like meditations on imposter syndrome and uh, how to deal with a day when you're dealing with a ton of microaggressions so it has a lot of uh, very specific meditations catered um, to uh, people of color and that's good like you said there is value in like actually speaking with a professional that does come from a background that's very similar to you because I guess, like, I guess the way that I think is, like, you know, with the, with those, like, very sensitive notions, but then also it's, like, you brought up another point. It's, like, you know, $30, $60 does end up being, like, a lot at some point in time. And so um, you're paying for time, you know, with the therapist. So if you're spending more time and trying to explain something that's not necessarily, like, True. getting you somewhere, it's, like, it, yeah. So that, I mean, it's all very real things. And so uh, thank you for providing, you know, some of these resources, you know, as a recommendation or anything like that, you know, yeah, for we'll, anyone that's... we should post them, like, on... We'll post them on Twitter, so that way yeah. they can make, like, the rounds afterwards and they don't get lost. And so, and then for those of you who aren't here, like, that are listening from home or, you know, at a later time, you know, they'll be in the episode description, like, we'll have those links on there. And so, um, did anyone else have any, like, any, um, like, methods, you know, or or stories around, like, attaining therapy or, like, getting to therapy or anything like that? No? No? Okay, cool. And so, just kind of wrapping things up before we get to Q&A, I did want to plug uh, Latinx and Gaming again. And so, you know, this whole this whole organization has done a lot in such a short amount of time, you know, and really, like, developing a really cool partnership with PAX uh, with the Latinx Lounge. So, like, um, we were all saying, it's like, you know, being in the same room around a lot of other people who have very similar stories or maybe different stories, it allows us to share these things with one another. And so, it doesn't stop here, though. And so, like, they have the QR codes at the front of the in front of the room, you know, where you can join the Discord, uh, scan that on your way in and your way out, uh, and join the community. You know, the conversations, you know, really carries on in to like so many different ways. Uh, that's how I got started with this whole thing, um, and you know, I still stay up to date. And then also follow them on Twitter as well on Latinos in Gaming. Um, so just make sure that that's not a typo. Like that's actually like what you type in. And so, um, and then go ahead and follow there. And uh, with that being said, 
thank you all for coming. So if you have any questions, there's a mic over there and we'll, free, we'll feel free to answer them. All right, thank you. Don't be shy. <laughs> cool, we got one coming. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, I need this mic because I lost my voice yesterday. Um, thank you, first of all, everyone, for sharing your stories and being candid about your experiences. Um, I actually had a question about um, if you have, I know that growing up in uh, with like a Latinx cultural experience kind of felt um, opposed, it felt in opposition to your love of games, right? As you grew up, I, I, I personally felt that, right? So um, in what way have you been able to sort of come back to your cultural roots and find kind of comfort in them while maintaining your identity as a gamer and working in the gaming industry or pursuing that, right? So like, what, um, what, what have you found comfort in, in culture and like in your upbringings and your family and your environment <clears throat> that you can now say, you know, before where you kind of had to fight your 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 cultural roots to be a gamer now you can kind of rest back and say you know <laughs> now you can kind of sit back in your laurels and say yes i can marry these two kind of identities and kind of integrate them in a way mm -hmm. um one games are more diverse now um they're being made by more diverse people and more diverse stories are like coming out um, and I find that really wholesome and heartwarming and that helps a lot. Um, also, I feel like in general, I appreciate my family more. <laughs> um, like I am lucky in that I live and work 45 minutes away from my grandparents. Um, so when I'm having a bad day and I just like need my grandmother to like cook for me and like tell me she loves me, even if she's like, I have no idea what you're doing with your life. Like I can do that. Um, and I feel like now just as an adult, who like no longer feels like they're they have like such strong control of my life as they did when I was like a teenager and stuff. Um, I just appreciate my family more, and that helps. Um, I'll say like right now we're at an interesting time where we're more exposed to the different um, cultural responses to games. I really like watching the esports scene, like the competitive fighting scene, and the history of that in Latin America. I know that um, I know King of Fighters is huge in Latin America, and it's like a thing that growing up here you don't really realize, but you realize this is like a thing that has been going on forever. And like you weren't never, you weren't a weirdo. You just didn't realize there are other weirdos out there from back home that you could like nerd out with. And to me, it's like, oh, okay, I wasn't, I was fine this whole time. And you kind of, because you do kind of put yourself in a weird bubble where like uh, no one at home, no one at family, none of my cousins are into this, and. I have friends at home, or like friends at school who I can like nerd out, but they don't quite get all these other things. And that actually makes this place here very special because I can just kind of be fine. So that's very helpful. Also, um, I remember like playing the cultural games, playing up like Loteria or like other things, and like kind of understanding. <laughs> no, but honestly, like understanding like what that game. Like, maybe there's like more of the academic side, looking at what it served and like its purpose and its meaning for like back home and like why that was such an important game and how that's like it's a great tool for communicating with people it crosses generations you can learn to appreciate that understand that 
And like you, you were part of a culture that made these things, and you still belong, and you're still making these things now. So, don't feel like you're you don't belong because you do. I think um, for me, that's an interesting question because I'm still also trying to figure that out because I. Um, I am queer, and I do have a uh, partner who is not a cis-straight cis man, um, so that puts an additional rift on my family and uh, our relationship. So I get my, like, I'm trying to marry the two, but I'm doing it in, like, very different pockets in that, like, I get a lot of the comfort that I need and the support that I need my, for my career in games, even though they don't understand it, from, like, my like queer Latinx and like queer people of color community uh, back in Los Angeles. But then like if I need any sort of like gaming support, then I'll go to like my little brother who can like be really proud of me. And then if I need like general support and like I don't know, like if I need to like tell my parents, oh hey, like I got a raise, and then they'll give me that support. So like, <laughs> um, like it's still, I'm still trying to figure out how to like marry all everything together. Um, I think it it's really like heartwarming, and it makes me feel at home when I find other like queer Latinx game devs because they also understand that very specific struggle. Um, but for now, like I get it from like many different places, thankfully. Uh, for me, finding comfort is just like finding uh, communities like like us, like the Latinx in gaming, um, to know that there's people out there like me that want to pursue something like this. Um, I do also get some support from some of my family members that are, are gamers as well. So um, when I can't have a conversation with like my immediate family, I know I could always like reach out to my cousins and they'll be like, yeah, that's awesome, dude. Like, congrats. Like, I told them that I was going to be a part of this panel and they were like, congrats, dude, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, uh, that's for me. Hey, guys. Great panel. Um, I'm not sure if I'm asking for advice or perspective or something in between, um, but um, to kind of describe it, I'm, I'm, I'm a video content creator for events, and something, I guess, mental health-wise that I kind of have trouble with is anxiety because I like to shoot and put a spotlight on indie developers, especially any Latinx creators, but then as soon as you kind of come up to the booth, they start being like, oh, yeah, come check it out and everything, and, and I don't know, I, I just start freezing because I'm much more comfortable at a distance, right? And, but I understand because I've been covering so many events and so many, and I know how much hours and pain and everything that they put into these games and I don't want them to think that I'm not interested or that I'm not engaged or anything like that. It is just like I said, I, I'm a much more content creator from like a certain arm's length mm -hmm. and so I'm having trouble navigating, letting people know I'm interested yes, I want to check out your game, I want to talk about it, I want to get you out there and, and get your voice out there and everything, but not probably in the way that you <laughs> want me to, you know? Like, and I, I, what prompted me to even come up here was you saying like the whole like, oh, like, come up, we're not gonna bite. Like, I get, and I know in back of my head, I know that they aren't gonna come attack me or anything like that. I know that it's very welcoming, but sometimes even that welcoming spirit can be kind of overwhelming, you know? Mm -hmm. I can, as someone with anxiety, I can also speak to that. Um, I I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of power in being like really honest with people. So like when I'm like really anxious, especially like when meeting new people, I will just kind of let them know like, 
hey, like, I'm really excited to meet you. Like, I apologize if I'm a little bit anxious right now. Like, and then try to, like, continue to, like, push myself and not be, because I know, like, those thoughts tend to spiral and you're like, oh, my God, like, you're so, like, oh, I'm so awkward. Like, oh, my God, like, I just want to, like, leave this, con- exit the conversation right now. Um, but, like, one, like, letting them know, like, where I'm coming from, being like, I'm, like, a little bit overwhelmed right now, but, like, thank you for coming up and, like, being um, really forgiving with yourself um, when you feel like you're messing up because you're probably fine. I know, like, I ask for reassurance from, like, the people that I'm talking to, like, from people that I trust, like, my partner, like, oh, like, am I being awkward? Like, am I being weird? And they're like, no, you're fine. So, like, I know that I probably feel like I'm doing a lot worse than I actually am. So just remember to, like, and again, people are different, but I know it helps with me, like, being honest and then just trying to be really gentle and forgiving with myself when I feel like I'm messing up constantly. Yeah, um, I I agree. I think being honest helps a lot. Um, I was a, like, super, like, sick kid as, like, a child, and so I always kind of struggled with the whole recess thing because I literally wasn't allowed to go to recess. Um, and, and so I still, like, sometimes I'm still just like, wow, I have no idea how to talk to people. And one of the things that I found has helped my anxiety the most is, like, just, like, straight up being, like, I'm, like, really enthusiastic about, like, bonding with you and, like, becoming friends with you, but I'm, like, incredibly anxious about it. Um, and like that does wonders Um, because also like frankly if someone's not cool and welcoming about that I don't think I want them in my life anyways Um, and like having like people hype you up um, having just a support net is great Um, like I have been talking to everyone on this stage like all day long and then like five minutes before the panel I was like I'm so nervous I'm gonna puke (laughs) Um, and they were like you're fine Um, and like helped me be fine Um, So surrounding yourself with people who, like, are willing to do that for you helps a ton. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. And thank you both for answering some or asking some really, really cool questions. And so uh, if anyone else has any other questions, that would be the time to ask. We have another question. Awesome. Cool. So, um, whoa. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Um... I think it's worth mentioning that um, you guys deserve some credit here, you and everybody else who has organized this particular place inside this conference, because it's, I've been here for a couple of days now, I'm actually a local, first time I've ever realized that, oh, this event occurs in my hometown, okay, great, <laughs> I'm going to go to it. Um, this is probably the most approachable spot that I've found in the entire conference, Wow. where you can was walk in and not worry about, do I qualify? Here, somehow, some way. I don't know. Um, anyway, topic of my question um, is um, burnout. I know that this is something that hits probably everybody that works in technology. It works probably long hours in almost any industry that you know can be really intense. I have heard and read and researched and all this, and unfortunately, you only start doing this once you start wondering. Okay, am I burning out? You know. And you have that feeling already, like, I think maybe I, you know, then you start Googling and then you hit WebMD and you think you're dying. Um, <laughs> but have you ever found yourself in a situation where you, you already are, you know, you come to the conclusion you're already there and it's, you're already in the position where it's a struggle to get through a day, to get started in a day, to go through that day. And then you get home and you want to do nothing. And, and you keep, your mind tells you, 
you should be doing this, so why do you not do that? You know, learn this, learn that, do that, do another thing. And it can go on like this. You know, my personal experience, it's gone on like this for years. Mm-hmm. I'm, I get to crawl back out of it a little bit, you know, and then some stuff happens and I have to put all my energy into something or usually fighting some kind of battle of the other kind. And then, okay, I have to dig out back again. Anyway, you, I think you know what I'm talking about. So if you've got any thoughts or experience or whatnot, I'm totally all ears. Um, for me, I've dealt with burnout for like learning a bunch of stuff for like game dev and it, it's overwhelming because for me I, I tend to do, to like learn almost every night I treat it like a school night for me and sometimes like I've come to the realization of like ah, no not today not today not today and then it just it starts stemming out for a long time and I'm just like okay I need to just stop give myself like some time just to like just to do nothing and then once I start doing that I kind of recuperate the the wanting and wanting to continue and progress and and keep learning so that's how how I do it that or just like I said earlier I just I, I try to get away from it and and step outside so I get distracted and then come back to it later um, so first I want to say like I think it's important to acknowledge that it's okay to be burnt out. Um, I think a lot of people in the industry tend to equate that as like, oh, if I'm burnt out, it means I'm not cut out for this or it means I don't care enough. Um, But that's not the case. Uh, While we have really cool jobs that allow us to connect with people like all over the world, um, it's still a job some days. (laughs) Um, But I think the... The thing that helps me the most um, is doing things that I think are fun, um, that are not necessarily connected to my job, uh, whether that is spending time with people I care about um, and like doing something like really weird and random. Um, like one of my roommates is my absolute best friend, and I'll like walk into her bedroom at three in the morning and be like, "Hey, do you want a road trip out to Oklahoma and do like this one very specific thing?" And she's like, "Yes, I do." Um, and things like that kind of like always get me out of that headspace. Yeah, I would agree with what she's saying. Like having the systems in your life that really energize you and help you recover when you do burn out. And first of all, being okay and realizing that you're a human, you're not going to be great at everything. Um, for me, what I've done is like I've, I've found very good comfort in like the dancing in Los Angeles. So I go do like salsa, bachata nights when I want, and that helps me recover and restart if I have a bad week. And I can do something that's connected to people, it's physical, it's like really fun. and like figuring out what those systems are for you and having them in your life to bring you back when you are burnt out. And again, taking a break, it's okay to take a break. I think it's like, we kind of look at it as like a failure if we have to, but really it just means you're a person. So we have time for one more question. Thank you for asking. Uh, So we have about like four minutes. So there you go. It'll be a quick question. where do you draw your confidence from? Well, great question. <laughs> this where is a very encouraging answer. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, like where do you get question. your confidence from? We you know, like your inspiration to keep going, or like to, you know, it kind of stems from the burnout question that was just asked. Yeah. But in the same lines, like, you know, what what's that 
what what allows you to keep your foot on the pedal and you know what you say to yourself i'm gonna drive today <laughs> I, I love that question but it's, it's all yours uh i think for me is that what drives my confidence is that i i have a story that i want to tell i want to be able to tell more because for for my background like a lot of Central American uh, countries essentially don't exist to like uh, pop culture and like Hollywood and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, all right, you know, if you're not going to tell the story or if you're going to paint us all as like Mexican, no offense to anybody that is Mexican, <laughs> um, you know, let me let me try and get out, get my culture out there. So I, I have that drive to to like bring part of my history to it. So that's that's where I find my confidence. I think um, mine comes from te- like telling myself and not just like saying that figuratively, like looking myself in the mirror every day and saying like you are important and like um, like what was said before, like that you have a story to tell um, and that you are like worth it. And then having people that you surround yourself with that can also remind you that when you feel like because there are days like especially when you're burnt out, like you feel. Uh, I, I feel worthless. So having the people around you that you can go to and ask for help and being like, hey, I need a little bit of like reassurance right now. Like, can you like, can you tell me like why why I should keep going? Like, why I need to still be here? And they'll remind me like it's because you're important. Yeah, like um, I hype myself up for like the smallest victories sometimes. Yeah. Like. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I made breakfast this morning instead of stopping at Taco Bell, and that was fucking awesome. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, and like, sometimes that's just what you have to do. Um, if I do like, if I get a task done at work that I've been struggling with, like, I acknowledge that I did that, and like, I was good at it, um, and I try to be mindful of that a lot, and that helps. Um, yeah, the people that can hype you up, the people that remind you how far you've come, the people that like are just happy to see you. And it's about, I guess, that sense of community. And if you can build that and you can find those people that remind you, just like, you're here, you're awesome. You don't like you don't belong anywhere else but where you are right now. I think that's a, yeah, that's, that's helped me. And it kind of, it's a weird question you asked, but I love it. Um, <laughs> help me realize that right now. <laughs> Thanks for answering, for asking the question. And thank you everyone else who, you know, is here, you know, supporting and all of that, uh, supporting the podcast, but also thank you so, so, so much for every single one uh, of my new friends, you know, that we were able to come together and really have a really cool conversation. And so uh, I hope everyone has a great rest of your packs and thanks for coming to the Latinx Lounge and really spending time with everyone. So, all right. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. So I really hope that you enjoyed what you heard. It was really, really cool being able to interview people again and it just kind of felt good to kind of put an episode together, especially like in a first time type of a tradition, like with the Latinx Lounge. But for people that like, you know, I'm not necessarily around all the time, like being here in Cleveland is just kind of different, you know, like you don't have access to the game development industry. So the whole point of the show is for me to act as if I'm the listener, like I'm learning at the same time as I'm asking questions, right? And I purposely try to bring on people to the show that I don't necessarily know them like anything about. And so I just want to say thank you to Jasmine. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Luis. Thank you, Christian, for really, really like 
putting your all into like everything that you said and for even coming down to San Antonio to set like to, to participate like you know that it's a lot and thank you so much for helping me uh kind of feel the confidence to really talk about this type of stuff with you all so um i really learned a lot and i really hope for everyone that's listening you know if you want to make it into the game dev industry like hey i a testament to like that people are willing to help you you know even though if you're not in the industry like all you gotta do is make yourself known and make it known that you want to be in it right and so show like a little bit of creativity like do what you want to do right that's what every single person in this panel um is doing or have done already whether it be confronting their parents confronting their dreams confronting themselves right and really kind of making those sacrifices to really get where they want to be um it's not easy, like everyone was already saying, but if you want something, you want to chase a goal, then you got to go get it. And you know what? I just feel really good. <laughs> so I'm really hoping that I'm going to put out some more episodes back on the weekly schedule. Uh, I already have hit some people up, you know, to kind of start recording some new stuff. So let's see if I start putting out one, see if I'm going to put out one next week, but we'll see. We'll see about that. Anyways, thank you everyone for listening. You can listen to the show on wherever you find your podcast, you know, Apple, Spotify, you know, I feel like I don't have to repeat all of that. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, see you guys later. Adios. Uh,